Well, good morning. Happy October to you. How many of you are fall people? How many of you are spring people? Yeah. Winter? Hell? Summer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Summer? Okay. Just, just see, seeing if you're listening. <laughs> Some of you say, you can't use that word. You're, you're in church. It's a biblical term. Yes, it's a biblical term. So, well, we're in a series called Wise Moves in Life, and um, I am thoroughly enjoying this. This is, uh, fasten your seatbelt, put on your helmet, get, you know, get yourself strapped in, get a Bible, and go with me to the middle of your Bible, the book of Proverbs, look at chapter 1. But I'm going to give you uh, today um, uh, a plethora, it's a, it's a it's a lot of scripture, and so you need to have a pencil or pen or a, a tablet, something to write on, uh, because I'm going to give you a lot of scripture in fast fire mode, and you'll want to come back to it. So I just encourage you to take some good notes. And the topic today is this one, is to choose your words, and it's to choose them really well. That's the wise move, because <clears throat> my mouth is a fountain of life, or my mouth is a death trap. That's kind of the big idea. So we have to have the wise move of choosing the right words. And a wise, wise words are always going to be a wise move in life. So gracious Father in heaven, as we hear your word now, may we hear it not as a suggestion or as uh, just insight, but may we hear it as your word settled in heaven once delivered for all the saints for us to take not as advice but as a command for your words are life to us and may we take them hide them in our heart take them seriously hear them well meditate on them may they come out the pores of our lives we pray that that uh, we take in the word and become not just hearers of the word but what did james say doers of the word we pray and I, I ask, Lord, that you would make us particularly teachable on this thing uh, of the mouth, because all of us have had trouble with this at one point or another, or we will one day soon. And so make us particularly teachable, not just, not just to go, yeah, that's good, but, but make it for us, we pray. And may you be, your, through your Holy Spirit, may you be the divine teacher, we pray in Christ's name. So never underestimate the power of your words. The power of your words, the influence, the breadth, the reach of your words, because God, God gave to us verbal communication. And it, it is a well of blessing. It is also an instrument of destruction. So choose your words well. Solomon was right when he said, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. Get that. Life and death. You kill people with your words. You kill the spirit. You kill relationships in a moment with your words. And when you do that, you live with the fruit of that or the consequences of that. Does that make sense? That's what that proverb is saying. <clears throat> your words can bring life or they can kill, and you have to choose ahead of time because once they're out of your mouth, have you ever had, anybody had words you wish you could like swallow back? Oh yeah, I have both hands up. Because we reap not just the fruit of, of, of what we say, but, that, but when you plant a seed in the ground, you don't get a seed back. You get a bunch of, 
of fruit back. You, it multiplies. And when you say something destructive, destruction comes back at you in, in manifold kind of ways. If you plant lies and suspicion and jealousy, envy, constant comparisons, you'll live by those consequences. But if you choose to plant words of kindness and joy, nod and judgment of mercy and forgiveness, along with truth, you're speaking the truth in love, in joy, in kindness, you'll reap a harvest of the same. <clears throat> the scripture tells us that that your words spread like fire. Did any of you watch the news like last year? Northern California, about an hour north of Sacramento, is a little town that burned and the whole town went away. Do you remember seeing this in the news? The town is gone. The town is gone. Your words can spread like destructive fire, but your words can also be deadly poison. That's what the scriptures say. This, the, word, your, the scripture also tells us your words can be, can be apples of gold. It can be wonderful. Your words could be the cause for great joy. So you have to choose, and you have to choose that ahead of time. And let me just give you a little uh, background to this. Your words are only coming out, only spilling out what's inside you. <clears throat> if I had a glass of, I, it's almost politically incorrect for me to bring any, any object up here at all. So I brought a glass of milk. Some people go, you are so insensitive. You're stealing um, a cow's milk. I'm sorry. Uh, if I, it, you know, and if I, had soy milk. Some of you say, you know, that causes cancer in rats. I go, that's why I don't feed it to rats. It's, it's, and, and for others, I'd have to give you almond milk, and then others, some barley something milk. And So anyway, I've had a glass of water, okay? No one's offended by water, are they? Okay. So I had a glass of water, but if the table jiggles and the, 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 the glass tips over, what comes out? Milk? No. What comes out? Water. Why? Because that's what was inside. When venom comes out of your mouth, what's in your heart? Venom. Yeah. That's the scary part, folks. That's the scary part. And the problem with that is, is not only do you know that, I know that. I know that about me. You know that about you. <clears throat> and the, the problem, the greater problem with this is this. You and I will stand before a holy God and you will give an account for our words. Do you get this? And the, the way we treated people and the words that we gave to people. Um, the Apostle Paul put it this way when he wrote to Timothy. He said, I want, I want men everywhere when you worship to lift holy hands in prayer. As you, and so sometimes when we sing, we lift hands in prayer. And I, there, I think there's, there's sometimes I think, you know, we're lifting our hands. I don't know if they're holy. I think we have to... We have to back this truck up and ask ourselves, are, are our hearts really holy? Why? Because the very next phrase, Paul says to Timothy, I want men to lift holy hands in prayer and without arguing or disputing, without destructive language. Isn't it interesting how the language comes right at, in the moment of worship? How could you worship? How could something pure come out of your mouth and yet there be arguing and and deceit and deception and lying how could that come out how could there be fresh water and salt water come out at the same time can't be done so let me give you my outline and then we'll do our best to break it down here's the outline it's three points <clears throat> speech is an incredible gift from god just incredible gift from god number two speech can be used for good and for evil this is kind of a no-brainer just like 
but we need to establish that. It can be used for good and for bad. So it's not that speech is bad. It can be used for good. <clears throat> but thirdly, I need God's divine help to clean up my heart on my way to my speech. And I hope you get the slant on that. God needs to clean up my heart <clears throat> so my speech gets better. Because if all I do is clean up my speech, my heart will always find its way back out my lips. Let's unpack that a little more. Speech is an incredible gift from God, number one. Proverbs chapter one, you have your Bible open there. Verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So he, he, I like this. He writes and he says, it's me, Solomon. I'm the son of David. I'm the king of Israel. You know who's writing you. For gaining wisdom. Why is he writing this? For gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. Stop there. This continues. It's not a full thought, but, but there's enough here in verses 1 and 2 for you to understand who's writing. Perhaps one of the wisest men in the world, Solomon. Certainly one of the most richest guys in the world. And he is writing to help us with wisdom and understanding and instruction, right? And for understanding words of insight in other words how to use your words and to use them well and it's one of the reasons he wrote the book you see speech is really a gift from god god invented it when god in originally created the first man and woman uh, and you always wonder like how old were they when god created them? anybody think about this besides me like how old was adam when God created him. Well, he looked 16 or 18, but he was only one day old. Think about it. Not too long, because it'll drive you crazy. And then the next big question, did they have belly buttons? That's what all theologians ask. <laughs> well, I don't know, because they didn't, uh, had no use for an umbilical cord. And I'm glad the teens aren't in here right now. They're gone. So that would lead to, down a path we don't want to go. But the first generation had language the day that they landed on earth because they, they could talk to each other and, and commune and enjoy language. Now, every generation since then has had to learn language. And um, there were some great studies. Juan and I have loved this. You know, you're first born, you teach them English. And they, they're, they're, they're speaking, and, you know, they're three or four or five years old, but they're talking like one of the adults. Why? Because they're outnumbered. There's two adults and one child, right? And then, then you have a second child, and they're, they're verbal, but not as verbal because they learn their language from two adults and one child. By the, your third child, mm, it's getting kind of dicey because now they're learning their language from two adults and two children who don't really fully understand the language. And by your fourth or fifth child, they're just going, uh, uh, and they're going, Dad, Dad, he wants butter. What's wrong with you, Dad? Uh, Dad, help him. He wants to go outside and play. Okay, he needs to learn to speak English. He doesn't have to. He's got older siblings to get him along in life. See, language is learned. That's why you want to raise all your children as a side piece. That's why you want to raise all your children as firstborn, so you teach them the way the language ought to be. Otherwise, they learn the language from each, and, and maybe that's good and maybe not so good. Now, here's the problem we have today. Because language is learned by the previous generation, with all of the trash that's happening today, guess where that came from? Us. Us. Bullying, trash-talking, threatening speech is rarely beneficial. Rarely. And it is epidemic today. 
And when others do it and it's unmonitored, it gives an unearned kind of confidence. Isn't this true? It gives an unearned kind of confidence for others to, to jump on. And it's called the bandwagon effect. And then they become more bold in their speech. And the next thing you know, some kid walks into a school and says, I'm going to blow this place up. And you go, where did that come from? And it came from sloppy speech and from a pack. By the way, when you have, uh, when you have a, a, a bunch of children together in the same room, that's called a pack of fools. It is. And when you, yeah, giggle, because it's not happy, because it's, it's, oh, giggle keeps you from crying. Because when you have the pack of fools, you're in deep trouble, because they way outnumber the number of teachers in the building. And the Proverbs are really concerned, uh, really clear about that, that, that when you have, when you hang with a bunch of fools, there's a fair chance you're going to end up like one of them. Even if you're the best fool in the room, you're still a fool. So kids get, get emboldened by this, and I, I, I think what I want to do is set that off to the side, and that may be, I'm, I'm working on it now, that may be another whole lesson. We'll just talk about how you use your, uh, just even your electronic devices for the glory of God, and because they're, they can be used for good and for bad, so let's use them for good. And, um, and we may come back to that, I think, in the series sometime. But here's what happens. With bullying and trash talking, eventually someone's going to get hurt and there are no innocent bystanders in the midst of that. So I'm encouraged when I see communities, and I'll see it all the time in schools and colleges and in uh, public libraries. There'll be uh, dialogue opportunities for people just to get together and figure out how to have civil conversations. Because without it, just remember, you will self-destruct. You will go towards the wickedness that's in your own heart. But remember that this gift of communication is a gift from God. So since it's a gift from God, you have to go back to the source, which means no matter where you are, it's in a school or a college or a public library, understand this, if you're going to get it right, you're going to have to return to the Lord. It's the only way. It's the only way. So speech is an incredible gift from God. Number two, speech can be used for good and for evil. For good and for evil. Um, Look at the good. Proverbs chapter 12, and here's where you need to start taking some notes. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. It's reckless speech. It's not good. But the tongue, there's there's the hinge of uh, the passage of that proverb. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So so the good side of this is that if you use your mouth well, it could be a source for healing with people. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word turns, uh, stirs up anger. So, so if, if, you can, if you can work at the skill and the art of, of responding with a gentle answer, not, not a non-answer, but a gentle answer, you can diffuse. You, you actually gain asset with the company. Why? Because you're a good negotiator. Why? Because you have a gentle answer. Uh, you have a general answer. Um, it, it can be used for good. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 26. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. Gracious words. Is there a kinder way to say this? Ask yourself before it comes out of your mouth. Is there a more gracious way to say this? Is there a way that offers hope? Again, Proverbs 16. The wise, heart, uh, the wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction get that gracious words discerning words that that promotes instruction not just spewing not just letting off steam 
Because when you do that, you may feel better at the end, but everyone around you is going, oh, I got yuck on me now. Okay? One more. Gracious words, chapter 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That one may be worth memorizing. Gracious words, they're like honeycomb. They are sweet, baby. Our words can bring peace. They can offer comfort. They can help restore. They can instruct the ignorant. They can rescue the needy. They can encourage the burdened. So there's a, there's a great asset to your mouth. Now here's the downside. You seen those ads where your mouth has like 40 million germs in it? Any of which, if you swallow, you're going to die. You know, you're, you're watching the TV and an ad comes on. It, that's the problem with your mouth. Your mouth has a lot of germs in it. And the germs come from your heart. Here we go. I take no delight in giving you these proverbs, but this is what you do when you say you're going to give people the whole counsel of the word of God. Here's the bad. There's arguing and strife. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they've done you no harm. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 10. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Is there a way you can get by, or do you have to stir it? Do you have to kick it? Proverbs 15, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict. Why do they stir up conflict? Because something's going awry in their own heart. Without a control, not getting their way, throwing a fit, whatever it might be. But that's, it comes out with some odd language that you wonder, what's wrong? There's something going on inside their heart. Proverbs 16, the perverse person stirs up conflict get that they stir up they go in looking for it Have you ever been in a room or an office environment and it's all fine and a person walks in and just oh my word just stirs conflict well maybe not your day may be tomorrow okay better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting and strife okay some of you need to memorize that one for thanksgiving week right Better a dry crust. I'd rather have a dry crust and sit in the garage than to be in a wonderful palace with a feast and have nasties flying across the table. You look good. That job promotion looks good on you. Have you put on weight? Yeah, that's inappropriate for the Thanksgiving table. You sure you need gravy on your potatoes? Are you sure you need potatoes? Well, yeah, because I'm going to throw them at you soon. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting and strife. Proverbs 17, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before it, dispute breaks out. It's not worth it. You have to ask yourself, is this, worth, is this a battle worth fighting? If it is, then, then stand. But if not, let that go. Proverbs 17, verse 19. Whoever loves a quarrel loves sin. And this needs to be on talk TV. If you love a quarrel, if you love a quarrel, there's something desperately wrong with that. Proverbs 18, verse 19. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. You get that? You know it to be true. Disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. Chapter 25. Better to live on a corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Some guys are going, I, I want to memorize that, but I can't circle it right now because she's, she's right next to me. 
You're, just, you're looking at me like, <laughs> that never happened with me. And you're, you're kind of like, help me, Dave, help me. Help me. You know what I say to you? Die young. No, don't die young. Okay, that's just arguing in strife. By the way, I edited this down when I did the original study. It went on for pages. Because that, that's how much is in Proverbs. Just about arguing in strife. Let's move on to boasting. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. 27.1. 27.2, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. Let someone else praise you. Um, move from boasting to complaining. A soothing tongue is like a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You have a power in your, in your life to be uh, aloe vera, to be the balm, or to, to ride rough with just the complaint. A cheerful heart is like good medicine, 1722. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones, dries up the bones. You get this? Mm. So you choose, am I going to complain or am I going to find something good in the day? Uh, better live in a desert, better to live on the corner of a roof than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Oh my gosh, it's, it's happening again. I was uh, walking down an office hallway and there was a cluster of people having just a, a, in a break room having lunch together. And I, I heard them say, one of them say over lunch, so tell me something good about your week. Isn't that cool? And they were just sitting in circles eating sandwiches and salads and just, but you know what, it, the, the, the conversation could tank and you know what one person said, tell me something good about your week. And they, they changed the kind of the trajectory of the conversation. So boasting, complaining, there's another one, evil speaking. Proverbs 6 verse 12, a troublemaker is a villain and a villain, I'm sorry, a, a troublemaker and a villain who go about with a corrupt mouth, who winks malicious, maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers, who plots evil and deceit with his heart. He always stirs up a conflict. Why? Because he's evil. Whoever, chapter 10, who, who, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips, his lying's another part of the problem, spreads slander and is a fool. Get this. If they conceal hatred, that I just don't like this, therefore I'm going to make something up, they're going to lie. Again, the illustrations of this are endless. Um, they lie about a piece, and when they do that, they spread slander, so they ruin the reputation of the other person, and what are they? Down deep, they're a fool. I once saw a politician on one of those news talk shows, and he was really getting hammered about the gut and then the head. And nice guy, actually a good guy, but just, you know, the people didn't like him for a while. And, um, and the news media asked him, so uh, what do you think about what everybody's saying? And it was interesting, his reply. He said, if all I knew about me was what I read, it, what I learned from the news, I wouldn't like me either. In other words, you, you have no idea about me. You know what? That was a wonderful thing that he knew who he was. And he didn't get his 
identity from what other people say. And that's a hint to you and me. You and I should not get our identity from what other people say about us. Because they will waffle on you. They will come and go. Your friends will come and go. You get your identity from who you are in Christ and what God says about you. And you are a sinner saved by grace. And therefore, you're adopted into his family. You're still a sinner. You're in recovery mode the rest of your life. This is a recovery group. That's what churches are, recovery group. Recovering from what the damage of sin has done in our lives as we get ready for heaven. And we are becoming more holy people because that's who we are and that's where we're headed. Get your identity from God in Christ. And then, you know what? We, we talk about the, the Holy Spirit being with us. The day you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you. He doesn't, he doesn't live in a building. He lives inside of believers. So when believers gather, there's the gathering of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And we pray for the fullness or the filling of the Holy Spirit, not to quench the Holy Spirit, not to grieve the Holy Spirit, but to stay in step with what he says. Those are the four pieces of New Testament teaching on the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's not in this room. The Holy Spirit's in our hearts, and we give him access to, to change our lives. And that's where you get your identity. That's where you get your power to truly have change. All right, now having said all that, Evil speaking has no place in our lives. That's not our identity. It's not who we are. It's not where we're headed. Flattery, either. Gossip betrays the confidence. Proverbs 20. So avoid anyone who talks too much. I'll keep moving. <laughs> A lying tongue hates those it hurts. A flattery mouth works ruin. They just ruin people. They just ruin the situation. You've been in situations that are good, and someone goes, well, that didn't go so well. And they just ruin it. Gossip. Uh, Proverbs 11. With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Get that. The mouth of the godless, they destroy their neighbors. It affects not just them, it affects the people around them. A gossip betrays a confidence, chapter 11, verse 13. But a trustworthy pe person keeps a secret. Perverse person stirs up a conflict, 1628. A gossip separates close friends. They get in between it. We, we are not any different than little toddlers who play. And they play alone. You know this developmentally. They play alone pretty well. Then another person comes in and they learn to play. Whatever the other person has, they want then eventually they become friends. Add a third person, guess what happens? We have a new enemy. And you know what? When we're 40, that same dynamic happens. We can't stand it. We don't even know it's happening, but it's happening. A perverse person stirs up conflict. A gossip separates what could be very close friends. So unnecessary. A gossip is, is not what you want to be defined to be nor is it to be a liar. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment, 1219, now 1222. The Lord detests lying lips. Get that. He detests lying lips. He delights in the people who are trustworthy. So you're teaching your children to tell the truth. You have to tell the truth. You have to tell the truth. Why? Because they're, they see you. They hear you. They it just, you just have to tell the truth. Why? Because they're going to learn from you. Just like they learn their language from you, they will learn their habits from you. And the Lord detests lying lips. It's not like, oh, he doesn't really care for it. It's not his favorite thing. No, 
He detests it. And tattletales, chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates closer. Do you understand how this is, when, when a person repeats the matter as a tattletale, it, it creates a distrust kind of relationship. And you're not really sure who your friends end up being. Now, what's the point in all of this? Because this is not exhaustive. I could give you a lot more scriptures on each of these. And here's the problem that I had. The more I studied this, the more I saw the more I saw the power of the tongue has potential for good and for evil. And when Proverbs writes, it gives me this much about good, it gives me this much about evil, which is telling me something just by the number of verses. In, and that's why I wanted to give you at least a sampling. But I could go on for pages. The problem with it is, is you would be bleeding at the ears by the time I'm done crying for mercy because it's so gosh awful. But I want you to hate the bad stuff. I really do, because it's not going to help you in the long run, and it certainly isn't going to please God. But the potential is always there. The number of, em of, of occurrences, the emphasis, it all tells us something that it's far easier to use your mouth, Solomon's telling us, for evil than it is for good. So you have to determine to use it for good, and you have to train your mouth to use it for good, and you have to ask God, God, put a lock on my mouth, put a guard on my mouth. That might be your prayer this week. Put a lock on my mouth or a guard on my, mark, on my mouth. Why? Because I, we will stand before a holy God, and it doesn't matter. Well, I went to church every week, and I sang, I clapped when we were supposed to clap, and I clap on two and four, or one and three, or whatever it is we're supposed to clap on, and then I, I said amen when other people were saying amen. I put money in the plate. Yeah, but your mouth is vile. You'll stand before God, and he detests that. You get this? He detests it. And we stand before God. Here's what happens. If, if you enjoy the conversation, but you run out of things to talk about, we go find the things to talk about. Isn't this true? This is why we end up talking about weather. This is why we talk about getting a new manager or a new coach or a new owner for the Redskins. Why? Because we've run out of stuff to talk about. Right? Or you just do what I do. Just take the jersey off and put on the capitals just go to hockey just move to another sport or leave the baseball on for a while they won last night didn't they yeah oh, i'm still there keep the baseball on i'm moving right from baseball right to hockey okay do you understand it's in those low moments that's when it gets dangerous because you're looking for stuff to talk about and that's when you can say i wonder why he's doing what he's doing and then you, and that starts the gossip I hope, you, I hope you see how this happens because it happens somewhat innocently. happens somewhat innocently and eventually it becomes sinful and then it becomes detestable before the Lord because now you're making judgment calls about people you don't even know. You really don't know their hearts. So we remember that our words, if they're careless, we stand before a holy God and, and he calls us into account for them. Speech can be, speech can be of s such a blessing, not only to yourself, but to the people around you. So what do we do? Um, well, if speech is an incredible gift from God, and it can be used for good and bad, then, then I run to point number three, which is, I need God's divine help to clean up my heart on the way to cleaning up my speech. 
The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And that, maybe that's going to be your prayer. God, make my, make my life righteous. And as you do that, make my mouth righteous. We talk about lifting holy hands in prayer. I, I lift my lips in holiness towards you. I don't want anything unwholesome to come out of my mouth. No coarse jesting, no jabs, certainly no lying, no boasting. But Lord, even moments of, of jealousy and anger, which can kind of ease in, because that comes in through a, a weird door at times. So you have to do self-examination, but you might want my life to be a fountain of life. The lips of righteous know what finds favor uh, 1032 but the mouth of the wicked only what's perverse so the the lips of the righteous they know what finds it you know what's good so god keep me focused on what's good in fact you, you may just need to memorize it for philippians to, to think about certain things if it's right if it's true if it's noble if it's not those things i'm not i don't have space in my head for that right now i don't have the emotional energy for that right now Make it your prayer to stay on the righteous path and experience the favor. And don't waste your life. Back end of verse 32. The mouth of the wicked, they speak only what's perverse. I, I have no room for that. I, for me, personally, I, I don't listen to stuff with a lot of foul language in it. Do you know why? I don't need that in my tape recorder. I don't need that on my CD, on my MP3, or whatever it is that you have up here. For me, it's more of an 8-track. But anyway, <laughs> just keeps going around and clicking occasionally. But you understand, I don't, I don't have room for that in my life. And I don't need to hear it. And so when that stuff's happening, I just certain things. Um, and I'm speaking to men and women when I say this. But Proverbs talks about morality and immorality. And look away. Why? Because I don't want anything unclean to come in my eyes. I don't have space for it. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for the struggle. I have other stuff I have to do. I have more important things to do. So do you. You're a child of God. You're getting ready for heaven. So I'll, let, I'll, I'll set me, my eyes before nothing unclean. Not going to do it. I, I have better things to do. And for some of you, that's porn. And for others of you, it's daytime soaps. I mean, it could be anything. It could be nighttime drama. You just need to detox from it for a while or forever. Because what, what happens is, is, it, is, it, is it leaches into your system, and the next thing you know, there's a cancer in there. You don't know how it got there. But it came in through extremely low doses. And, and sitcoms and dramas on TV, it happens all the time. They create dissension. They create distrust. They get you to laugh at things that are downright sinful, not even questionable. But they're funny, so you do laugh. And eventually your heart gets conditioned that it's okay. You understand how that happens? So set no, no thing unclean in front of yourself. Don't give yourself the opportunity just to sit and listen to blasphemy or cursing. It's not healthy to your own soul. And it's emotionally exhausting because now one day it's coming out of you and you wonder, where did that come from? Don't allow it in. Don't allow it in. Put a trap on the door. Put, put a gate on it. And, and, so it, and this is where the, the uh, yes, the Lord, Lord, guard my heart. Why? Because that's out of the, my heart are the issues of life. 
So the righteous know, uh, they know and they find favor. Unrighteous, not so much. The heart of the righteous weighs an answer. Proverbs 15, verse 28. But the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. They gush evil. The heart of the righteous, they weigh the answers. They, they ponder it. They think it through. Is that true? Is it right? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it what it presents itself to be? Here, and we'll come back to this maybe if we do the, um, the communication piece. But uh, I'm going to encourage you. There, there, when Jesus talked about the, the most important things in life, love the Lord your God, love people, right? And then grow in your faith, serve other people, share the, the faith. So we call it around here, uh, worship, connect, grow, serve, share. Ask yourself, if, if my conversation were that, does, is it honoring to God? It's a great question. Is, that, is this conversation honoring to God? If God showed up in the conversation, <laughs> and he is, if he showed up in the conversation, would, would it be pleasing to him? Does it love people? Is it kind to people? Is it generous to people? Does it expect the best of people? Does it hope the best? That's what really loving is. And then, is it building in the faith? Does it help people grow? Is it, is it information that we need? Or is it just, is it just chat? Because that's where you get yourself in trouble. So does it help me grow? Does it serve a greater purpose? Does it help people and advance the quality of life for people? And, and when we talk about sharing, is it uplifting to people? Because you want to be like that gal was in that lunchroom that day. So what happened in your life this week that was great? So think through your, your prayers and think through your... You, you, because you, you, you have to ask yourself this. How is it that I want to head towards heaven and what kind of language do I want to leave for the next generation? And there may be times where you turn the evening news off and say, mm, it's, we're not doing that, kids. Uh, we have better things to do. It might be that you control that and you take, you, you take control of it because you're the mom, you're the dad. Ask yourself, do I want this kind of language with my kids? Do I want that kind of attitude? Do I want that kind of heart? And I know some of you right now are going, I don't know. I love, the, I love what Tony Evans, how he postures it. And I, I don't borrow from Tony. I'm just telling you right straight. I just steal right, right from him. But it's so good. I, there's no editing it because it's so good the way he puts it. He says, when he's talking about things that are just improper, he says, but someone's going to object to me, Tony says. And he says, but that's the way my mama taught me. Like if someone starts a fight, you finish it. Those kinds of things. Now you just raise another fighter, another generation of fighters and, and rock us in the street. But that's what my mama taught me to do. And Tony would said, yeah, but your mama was wrong. Your mama was wrong. And you know what? You and I have been taught some things that just weren't right. And we're either going to repeat that to the next generation or we're going to say, no, we're going to live to the glory of God. And our parents did the best they could at their generation. Don't take anything away from that. But we are going to be responsible for our lives and for our language. Why? Because we're held accountable. Why? Because speech is a wonderful gift from God. And it can be used for good and evil. And we will choose to use it for good. And since we choose to use it for good, we plead out to heaven, oh God, clean up my speech, but clean up my heart on the way to cleaning up my speech. Because my mouth is a fountain of life, and I certainly don't want it to be a death trap. So wise words, wise words 
are a wise move in life. Let's bow for prayer. If you would just bow uh, your head with me, and before I pray, I'm just going to tell you, thank you for hanging on. This was a tough one to hear. It's tough to speak, but tough to hear, I'm sure. And um, I applaud you for not only showing up, but then hanging in there. But, you know, I, I know every time the word goes out, there is a moment where the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you prompts that verse, and you know which one that is. And that's the one you take to heart. Like many of us, we would pray, God, I'm in trouble because my words are not good. And so please, Father in heaven, clean up my words, but would you clean up my heart? Because out of my heart come the issues of life. And I want to use my words to your glory. I want my whole life to be for your glory. And I know that's uh, the best path, so I have some unlearning to do. Maybe that's your prayer. Put a guard on my heart. Put a guard on my lips. So I'm really aware that there's work to be done. And Father in heaven, for the decisions that are being made and for the verses that are, are going to heart right now, we say thank you because you're in the life change business. Thank you for uh, continuing to work in our hearts to bring us to look more and more like Christ. And it's his, his name we pray these things.